Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you today about united we stand, divided we fall. United we stand, divided we fall. Imagine, if you will, a group of people known as a church that literally work together, actually work together in unity. What would happen if every single person in this place was united? What if we work together on the vision that God has given this house? What if we work together to achieve things for missions? You know, uh, we have a president who has called today uh, National Day of Prayer for Hurricane Harvey victims, and we prayed at the beginning of the service over that. But can you imagine what would happen if we as God's people would just unite together and start working with one another? What if we quit worrying about who got the accolades? What if we quit worrying about who got the credit? What if we quit worrying about, well, I want everybody to see me and what I'm doing. What if we just realize we're part of the body of Christ that the only focus should really just be on Jesus? You know, he, He's the star. He's the bright in the morning star. So I think it's important for us to focus on that. So let's kind of go through this for just a few moments. Why should we be united? Why should we walk together? Well, the Bible tells us in verse number 9, because when two walk together, we have a good reward for our labor. David has put his thousands to flight. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. If two can put ten thousand to flight, according to that mathematical equation, then three can put a, 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 what? Ten thousand to flight, a hundred thousand to flight. What can four do? What can five do? What can two hundred do? What if we put our efforts together? What if we walk together in unity? What if we quit worrying about who got the credit? What if we just walked in unity and realized we're representing Jesus and as long as He's the one that gets the credit, that's all that really matters to anybody. And so the Bible says that we have a good reward for our labor when we work together. I want to tell you something. This ministry, I know we're in a small facility but this ministry is much larger outside of this facility than it was in this than what it is in this facility and there's absolutely no way i mean there is no physical way in the world that i could do it by myself there's no way there are teams over here and there are teams over here and there are teams over there and there are teams everywhere there are teams all and we do so much more when we work together and I found out, now hang with me, but I found out that most of the time the people that are complaining about us not working together are the ones that are the problem. They're spending all that energy complaining about not working together when they should, could be spending that energy uh, extending their hand trying to join with someone who's actually doing something for the Lord. So we need, the Bible said when, we're, when we work together that we have a good reward for our labor. And then verse number 10, the Bible said that we can be strength to one another and we can pick each other back up. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Sometimes people fall down. Sometimes people fail. Sometimes people sin. Sometimes they miss the mark. Sometimes they get caught in the trap of willful transgression against the law of God. Sometimes people do that. 
Instead of being condemning, instead of finding fault, what we need to do is reach and pick them up. Because you know what? Next time it might be you. Next time you might be the one that's sinning. Next time you might be the one that's fall, fell down. Next time you might be the one that needs help. And so the Bible said that when two walk together, they can be strengthened to one another and they can pick one another up. And the verse number 11 where the Bible said, If two lie together, they have heat. How can one be warm alone? What that means is we can comfort one another. I can comfort you in, in the difficult times of your life. You can comfort me in the difficult times of my life. When someone passes, you need our comfort. When someone is, is, is working against you, you don't need me to get, uh, get with that person working against you. You need me to comfort you. You need me to help you. We need to help each other. We need to strengthen each other. We need to encourage each other and make each other stronger. And then the Bible says in verse number 12 that, uh, that a threefold cord is not easily broken and two can withstand the enemy that comes against us. And so that means that we are stronger together against the enemy. When I'm fighting the devil, I don't need someone in that foxhole with me that's talking out of both sides of their mouth. I need someone in that foxhole with me that's going to have my back and I'm going to have their back. And we need to be a united front against the forces of the enemy. Let me tell you something. The devil only attacks a credible threat. And when, if you are living in constant, under constant attack, first of all, let me say welcome to the club. And secondly, I want to just let you know if you're living under constant attack that the enemy must really be afraid of you. So keep going forward and keep trusting God and keep believing God. And when a brother or a sister extends themselves to you to help you, to give you strength, receive it. The enemy wants to isolate you. He wants to pull you off in a corner because if he can get you alone, he can get you feeling sorry about yourself. He can, get, he, he can work against you. He can make you feel like you're all alone. But, but don't do that. Realize, I need my brothers and I need my sisters. Listen, when I come under extreme attack, and there are people that are mad, that's, and I'm just using this as an example, but there's people that it's mad at me and it's mad at my family, and I don't even know why. But they'll, they'll, go out the, they'll tell everybody else, but they won't tell me. I, I don't even know why. I don't know. I, they come, they leave. I don't even know why. I don't, I, I don't, I don't. But here's the thing, I can't get caught up in that. You can't get caught up in that. There are people that are going to come into your life and stay and there are people that are going to come into your life and leave and quit trying to attract back that which God has set you free from. There's safety in unity. The Bible says in a multitude of counselors there is safety. We need to live united. There is safety in unity. Next slide. There is provision in unity. There is joy in unity. One of the things that I've always told my staff is if you can't laugh, you won't last on this staff. So we're sitting there the other day and we're working in our new offices over there and we're closer together and I like that because I feel like we're more like a team. And Charles is walking up outside and I just hear people start giggling. <laughs> Why? Because he's a funny guy. <laughs> he brings a lot of joy. We, we work together. We work together. There's fun in unity. Unity brings color to our life. It's harder to be bored when you have people around you that like to laugh. 
When you have people around you that enjoy your life, that enjoy living, it's hard to be bored when you're around people like that. So if you don't have any friends like that, then find some because you become what you hang around. If you're hanging around people that are all the time down and discouraged and despondent and beat down, all of that, then guess what? You're going to walk through life with your head down and you're going to feel beat down and discouraged and despondent. But you don't have to do that. What you can do is you can start finding somebody that likes to laugh, somebody that enjoys life, somebody that enjoys the journey. I mean, you know, they may cross the line a time or two, but those that hang their head, they cross the line too. So you might as well just find somebody like that and hang around them and get some laughter back in your life. Now let's go into James chapter 3. And I want to read this in the Amplified. Divided, now we're talking about united we stand. We're talking about the benefits of unity, how that there's safety, there's provision, there's joy, and we have good reward for our labor. But when we are divided, then we stumble and we struggle alone. James chapter 3 verses 8 through 18 is a great group of scriptures that we're going to go through this morning that's going to talk to us about this. There are choices that we all have to make concerning blessing and cursing in our life. Now, we must choose. Look at your neighbor and say, must. must. No, no, it's, it's not an option. You can't live in, you know, you can't straddle the fence. That gets painful. You have to live on one side of the fence or the other. You can't straddle the fence, okay? You must choose. We must choose. Listen, we can't bless people. We can't bless our situation one day and curse them in our situation the next and expect to live in the blessing of the Lord. Verse number 8, James chapter 3, verse number 8. But the human tongue can be tamed by no man. Quit trying to correct others' speech against you. You cannot tame their tongue. The human tongue can be tamed by no man. So if no man can tame the tongue, then what do we do? We go to God. Because only God can tame the tongue, right? Only God can tame the tongue. So the Bible says, The human tongue can be tamed by no man. It is a restless, undisciplined, irreconcilable evil full of deadly poison. It's full of deadly poison. That's what the human tongue is. Or we could also say the fleshly tongue. That's why the Bible said that we are not to live after the flesh. We are to live after the spirit. So the Bible says, verse number 9, With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who were made in the likeness of God. How is that possible to one minute say, Lord, I'm going to bless you. Lord, I'm going to praise you. Lord, I magnify your name. And then you come over here and you talk bad about your brother or sister. You're talking about God's creation. You're trying to bless the God that created that person in His likeness and His image. Now, they might not be living up to it, but God made them just like He made you. And so when you're over-criticizing someone, then what you're doing is you are fueling the enemy's fire and then you're coming over here and you're trying to worship God and praise God so you're trying to act like a Christian one day and live like the devil the next. Can I say this? You must choose. Christian or non-Christian. Blessing or cursing. 
You must choose. We must choose. That's why the Bible said, do good to those that despitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for not my name's sake. For great is your reward for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. Now that doesn't mean you have to go around to someone who's been railing against you and working. It doesn't mean that you have to be a part of their life. But what it means is you can't sit over here even at a distance and spend the good energy that God has given you trying to defeat and destroy them. Don't fall into their trap. Just leave it alone. You understand when you're doing that, then you're allowing the enemy to work against you with your tongue. The Bible said that we have to choose. The Bible said, verse number 10, out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. Now listen, these things, my brethren, ought not to be so. This is the Bible. This is what the Bible says. The Bible said that these things ought not to be so. And then it go, he goes on here and he says, Does a fountain send forth simultaneously from the same opening fresh water and bitter? The answer is absolutely not. Why? It's not possible. It is not possible for you to bless people and curse people at the same time. United we stand, divided we fall. Blessing and cursing, if you try to do that, it's not just going to create division between you and other people, but you are going to feel divided inside. It's going to create divisions inside of you, and that brings chaos, okay? Verse number 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine figs? Absolutely not. So can a salt spring furnish fresh water? That's what the Bible says. The answer is no. Then verse number 13, who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Let him by his own noble living show forth his good works with the unobtrusive humility, which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. So we see where the Bible's talking to us about how that we have to allow our tongue to be used by God to, to bring not division, but to bring unity. Now, the next few verses, the next three verses, are verses that talk about things that cause division, and the Scriptures teach us that we should avoid them. Now look at verse number 14. Now understand, this is all in context. So we're talking about this is all coming from the tongue. Verse number 14. If you have bitter jealousy, embassy, and contention, which is rivalry, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourself on it and thus be in defiance of and false to the truth. So in other words, don't be a fake. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I teach you what the Word of God says. The Bible said don't be a fake. This is what it's saying. Don't be a fake. In other words, make your choice. Either you're going to live cursing people or you're going to live blessing. Don't be a fake. Don't talk about, don't, don't be talking to someone, you know, right on, straight on. Don't be talking to them about, oh, praise God, you know, you're so wonderful and you're so great. And when they walk out of the office, turn and look at somebody and say, rah, 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 about, no, 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 you're two-faced. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're being a fake. The Bible said, if you have bitter embassy, jealousy, contention, which is rivalry and selfish ambition in your heart, don't pride yourself in it. And then verse number 15, it says, This superficial wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, animalistic, devilish, and demoniacal, demon, like a demon. That's what it's saying. So if we live with bitter envy, jealousy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition, we have all of this going on. 
we have all of that going on and we accept that and we choose that, then the Bible says that it's not real wisdom. It's superficial and it's animalistic and it comes from the devil. That's what the Word says. That's what the Word says. So don't be around people like that. And don't you be a person like that. You know, when I first started out in the ministry, there were a whole lot of people that had a very difficult time understanding why God was blessing me the way He was blessing me. I'm talking about when I was a teenager. I even had family members. They couldn't understand. I worked on my... I did all... Well, how come God doesn't bless me? You know, He just goes out there and people give Him suits and people give Him vehicles and, and He goes and He preaches and, and, and people get saved and all of these kinds of things and they just could not understand. Let me tell you something. Anytime God starts to put His hand on someone, the worst thing in the world you can do is try to work against them. Listen, people talk against anointed people of God because they do not understand the anointing that they are living under. It's very difficult for them to understand. Well, why? why? Because they knew them back when. But let me tell you something, honey. That was back when. But now the anointing of God is on their life. And don't you raise your hand against the anointed. Don't raise your hand against the anointed. It's very important. The enemy will try to fight against you. He'll try to pull you down through rivalry, through selfish ambition. and Well, just who do they think that they are? I know who. Yeah, I'll tell you who they think they are. They think that they are surrendered to the Lord and they're born again, blood-bought. They're a king's kid. They're a child of God. They're anointed to do the work that the Lord has called them to do. So the Bible said, verse 16, where there's jealousy and envy and contention, which is rivalry, selfish ambition, there will also be confusion unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Well, my life just feels chaotic. It's time to take a personal inventory. Who's in my circle that doesn't need to be there? Am I the problem? You can go down the street to a church and hear what you want to hear. You'll hear what you need to hear here. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, God, I know there need to, I need you to work on me, God. I know there's problems here, Lord. I need you to work on me, Lord. Lord, reveal to me what everybody else is seeing that I can't see. Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear. Open my understanding that I may understand what's going on around me. And if there's chaos around you, and if there's confusion around you, and if there's rebellion around you, and if there's unrest and disharmony and all of those kinds of things, all of those things are the work of the enemy. And if that stuff is going on around you, then the enemy is at work around you. And he's trying to create division. And he's trying to create trouble. Listen, in the place of unity is where the Lord commands His blessing, even life forevermore. My message to you this morning is that even though that stuff is going on around you, you can overcome it and you can have unity. I can walk in unity with my God and with vision and with people around me even though there are others working against me. I don't have to have everybody on my team. You don't have to have everybody on your team. Some of you guys know this. Some of you older folks that serve the Lord for years and years and years, you realize it doesn't matter what you say, what you do, it is totally impossible to please everybody. 
You have to please the Lord. You have a heart to please the Lord. And when I have a heart to please the Lord, I realize that things that are contentious and things that are chaotic and things that are confusing and when rebellion rules, those types of things, I realize that I don't need to be a part of it. If there's people around me trying to pull me in, if there's people around me talking against other people, even if I agree with them, but they're still talking about other people, I don't need to be around it. No, 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 no. I've got to focus forward. You've got to focus forward. Look at verse number 18. The wisdom that is from above. Somebody say wisdom from above. The wisdom that is from above. Now this is God coaching us on things that bring unity and peace. The wisdom from above is first of all pure. That means undefiled. So you're not going to get godly wisdom that's going to create harm against someone else. That did not come from God. That either came from yourself or from the enemy. The wisdom that God gives you is going to be wisdom that gives itself to restoration. Wisdom that gives itself to peace. Wisdom that gives itself to positioning people to receive the blessing of the Lord. God is not going to give you wisdom to try to tear someone else down. That is, that is defiled wisdom. The Bible called it there in verse 15, superficial wisdom. The wisdom from above is first of all pure and undefiled. Look at this. It's peace-loving. Godly wisdom is peace-loving. We're talking about being united here. If you want to bring you unity, then there's got to be peace. Unity in the bond of peace. There has to be peace. It's peace-loving. Godly wisdom is peace-loving. It's courteous and considerate and gentle. And it's willing to yield to reason. Godly wisdom is willing to yield to reason. Even the Word says, Come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord of hosts. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are at odds with someone, and they offer you an olive branch, and you deny the opportunity to talk with them in a reasonable way, and bring peace to that situation, then they have quit being, being the problem and you have become the problem. Selah. Now I had a situation, and sometimes this happens, I had a situation where someone wanted to meet with me, so I met with them. And they wouldn't let me get a word in edgewise. All they wanted to do was take that entire amount of time and tell me how horrible they thought that I was. <laughs> I just looked at them and said, Well, I'm glad you got that off your chest. Because <laughs> I kept trying to interject and interject and interject and interject. And then I said, Can I pray with you? <laughs> what are you? <laughs> and they're up and gone out the door. Had a man in my first church. I've told some of you about this before, but I had a man in my first church, and he was used to being a preacher boss. In other words, bossing the preachers around. He was an older man. I was 26 years old. I was a young man. First church, 
green behind the ears, you know. I've been in the ministry a long time, but in my first church, so I'd never pastored before. And so I'm sitting there, I'm working in my office, and he just opens the door and barrels in. Doesn't knock on the door, nothing like that. Opens the door, barrels in, gets in front of my desk, leans across the desk, points his finger, and he's just spitting and sputtering. And just going on and on and on. I'm just looking at him. He looked at me and he says, Well, don't you have anything to say? I said, No, John, I think you've about said it all. And he turned and walked out, and from that day forward, he was one of my biggest supporters. Why? Because I wouldn't fight with him. When you fight with the enemy, you fuel the fire. If the enemy wants to sit down and work reconciliation in a reasonable manner, you have a responsibility to give that a shot. Unity is important. It's biblical. Here's what the Bible says. The wisdom that's from above is pure, undefiled, peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, and is willing to yield to reason. And then it says, full of compassion and good fruits. It's wholehearted and straightforward. So in other words, people don't wonder what you're thinking when they walk out of the room. You say what needs to be said in love... In the right way, you say what needs to be said. And the Bible said that the wisdom that's from above is impartial and unfeigned. That means it is free from doubts and wavering and insincerity. And then verse number 18 is a powerful scripture. It's, it talks about the payoff of unity. It says, The harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. The harvest of righteousness, of conformity to God's will and thought and deed, is the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace. How long has it been since you have, have worked for peace? Peace doesn't just happen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. That's people who make peace. That's people who put effort in towards making peace. If you just crawl up in your corner and say, Bless God, you can't touch this, then you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. But if you'll reach out and say, Lord, I want you to help me here. There's a biblical process. If someone has offended you, you go to that person. This is what the Word says. You talk to that person. If that person does not listen, you take a brother or two with you. You talk to that person. If that person does not listen then, then you take elders and you talk with them. And if that person still creates problems, then you take them before the whole church and the Bible said, avoid them from that day forward. Last Wednesday night, I showed you in the Scripture where the Bible said there comes a point when you say, stick a fork in it, it's done. It's over. There comes a time. But up until that point, have you tried to make peace? If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, 
follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, some people, it's not possible. I know that scripture by heart because when I was a child, I got in trouble at school and I got detention. And my mother made me write it a hundred times while I was sitting in detention. She came to pick me up and she said, Did you learn anything? I said, Yes, I did. If it be possible. It was not possible for me to get along with Donovan today, Mom. be possible. As much as lieth within you, follow peace with all men. The point is you have to make an effort. Godly wisdom says make an effort. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. What did they do to Jesus? That's not a good enough excuse, is it? You don't understand how they made me feel. How did they make him feel? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a hen, gathers her chicks under my wings, but you would not. They lost, they missed their day of visitation. The heart of God for the world. How does it make him feel when we fight with one another? We are his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. He's the head of the church. He's connected to the body of Christ. When the body of Christ fights among one another, we're hurting the entire body of Christ. We're hurting the head of the church. We're hurting Jesus. United we can stand, but divided we will fall. So I want to encourage you today to get united. Here's what the Bible said. The harvest of righteousness, of conformity to God's will and thought and deed is the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others, that peace, which means concord, agreement, and harmony between individuals when un with undisturbedness and a peaceful mind, free from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflicts. So our prayer today should be this. Bind us together, Lord. God, bind us together. Lord, help us not focus on things that really don't matter, but bind us together. Old Testament examples, Adam and Eve worked together. Elijah and Elisha worked together. Moses and Aaron worked together. Moses and the 70 worked together. Joshua and Caleb worked together. Jonathan and David worked together. In the New Testament, Paul and Silas worked together. Peter, James, and John worked together. The twelve apostles all worked together. And in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 7, Jesus sent them out two by two. So I want to ask you this question today. What, what would happen if we could get together? That's what we're doing today with DTC. Discipleship Training Center is not a Church of God church. We're a church of God church, but they're not a church of God church. But they're part of the body of Christ. Amen. And they can look at us and say, well, they're not an independent church, we're, but we're part of the body of Christ. Amen. I think it's time to take down the shingles and work together. Amen. 
I think it's time that we come together today because two churches got together to work together, were able to raise money to bless five churches in Jamaica. And later on, we'll bless Africa. Because we had the audacity to say, you know what? We're not going to allow the divisions that has tried to be put between us, we're not going to allow them to prosper. We're going to work together. In fact, they meet here on Tuesday nights and they have great services if you ever want to come. They meet here on Tuesday nights. We're working together. Crying out to God, saying, God, help us reach this city. God, help us reach this county. God, help us reach this region. And God, help us reach around the world. We're stronger together. We're better together. We can do more together. The Bible said, Mark them which cause division among you and avoid them, knowing that they do gender strife. Mark them which cause division among you and avoid them. I'm encouraging you today to try to build bridges. But when you have went through God's process, now this is key to what I'm trying to teach you. When you have went through God's process and got to the end of the road, put your hammer down and walk away. Use that energy, use that wisdom, stay in love, stay in forgiveness, have a heart, a part of your heart open for reconciliation. But when you have done everything that you can do, you do not have a spiritual responsibility to stay involved with that. You can walk away knowing that you have done everything that you need to do. I'll go ahead and say it. I was trying to debate on whether to say this or not, and I couldn't really get a clear direction from the Lord on whether I should say it or not. But there are, there is a place in the Scripture where the Bible says that it can even reach the point where we just turn people over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that their soul would be saved in the day of redemption. That's harsh, but it's Bible. I want you to know today that we are better together, that we can be united, that we can work together. But when you have went through God's process and you've come to the end of it and there's still no reconciliation and it's not your fault, you do not have a moral or a spiritual obligation or responsibility to chase that rabbit anymore. You need to walk away from that and be free. Be free. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see how you're receiving this today. But I feel in the spirit, things are pretty good in here right now. I think there's some people getting free by this word. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Imagine what we could do together. What if we gathered around a common vision with common goals? 
I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, we can do life together. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are not alone. Tell them you are not alone. Let's stand to our feet. Come on now. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.